Hello Jubilee, and any guests too of course. Uh, for those who don't know me, my name's Ben, and uh, I've been going to Jubilee Teesside my whole life, which is 17 years. Um, therefore, it's, it's great to be able to preach to you today, uh, so I'd like to thank the elders for giving me this opportunity. Um, anyway, if you'd like to use your Bibles to flick to Hebrews chapter 11 verses 39 to 40, um, or if you don't have a Bible present, the words will be on your screen. These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. When I was told the topic and passage I would be preaching about, I took a few days to just simply think and ponder over the key elements of what I would be speaking about. And the first thing that sprung to my mind was a memory of Devoted 2019. Now, for those of you who don't know, uh, Devoted is an annual gathering of all the Christ Central churches that involves worship, uh, teaching, and just generally loads of quality time together. Um, anyway, at this event, good friends of us here at Jubilee and leaders of Devoted, Jeremy and Anne Simpkins, um, asked me and some others in the youth group uh, to bring a contribution to the front one morning. Now, I won't lie, I was nervous. I mean, 3,000 people were about to hear me pray. I, I don't even let my mum do that. But through faith, I completed my task and prayed a prayer of salvation. I mean, I was thrilled with what I'd just done. However, I let jealousy creep in. You see, one of the others in the group prayed for healing, and uh, we later found out that through said prayer, a woman was healed of her osteoarthritis, which had been plaguing her for 11 years and causing her terrible pain. Obviously, this was a wrong attitude and something which was completely false. I understand that now, but in that moment, that was how I felt, and I'm not proud of it. I believe that God did speak to people through my prayer, though, but it wasn't obvious to me, and so I felt like no reward had been given for my actions. Not that I really deserved one, mind. However, I believe there is a greater reward in store for me and for all who accept Christ Jesus. Eternity. Now, that is a bit of a daft example. You know, obviously, looking back, my feelings of disappointment were unfounded. But this is precisely the topic which I'm speaking on today. Eternity, and what it means to look forward and really understand our hope and future. <clears throat> Perhaps a more common and relatable struggle uh, would be when we don't get the desired answer to our prayers or we get no response at all. I'm sure we've all been there. It can be extremely frustrating and faith testing. But in these moments of struggle, we must remember that God's plans are perfect and that if we don't get the answer we're looking for, it's for a good reason. I think of the story of the unjust judge in which a widow comes to the judge and asks for protection. The judge, who claims to not care at all about what God thinks, and even less so what other people think, agrees to help the woman because she asks persistently. So then, if a wicked man who cares only for himself is willing to help someone who asks persistently, then how much more is a God who delights in giving his children gifts going to do? You see, the reason I'm so comfortable telling you all about my embarrassing, irrational jealousy is because of this promise of eternity. 
I know that my place next to the Father is secure, no matter what, because I've already let him into my life and been forgiven for my sins. I mean, just look at John 3.16. Whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. Or 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So, because of this, I needn't feel shame. Because the only one who can judge someone without condemning themselves is not ashamed of me. No matter our sins, eternal holiness is waiting for us. No matter our darkness, eternal light is waiting for us. No matter our hatred, eternal love is waiting for us. His eternal light, his eternal holiness, and his eternal love. It is unwavering, unfaltering, and unconditional. Not only that, but in the key passage, it uses the word us, which shows that we are guaranteed an eternity together with the Father in his house. John chapter 14 verse 2 says, My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? I think the use of us is really important as it completely switches up the verse and gives it a more personal feel. It helps us relate to the heroes of the Christian faith and really hammers home the message of eternity. You know, it's no longer about Moses and Rahab or Abraham, but you and me. There's parallels to be drawn here across the whole Bible. It's not just a collection of stories of great men and women of the past, but in fact, it's personal to each and every one of us. Its words can mean something different to me that's completely different to your interpretation, and that's the beauty of it. The Bible is God's word through his people, and like a word, it can be read in different ways, by different people, in different circumstances. I realise I'm coming across a bit like an English student here. Um, so, we've talked about eternity and that it's promised to us, but what do we actually know about it? Well, let me list off some Bible verses to lay down the facts. We will be unlimited by physical properties, John chapter 20 verse 19. There will be no more death, Revelation chapter 21 verse 4. We will have a new experience of God's presence, Revelation chapter 21 verse 3. But for me, the most exciting promise for eternity is that we will be like Jesus. This comes in 1 John chapter 3 verse 2 and is, in my humble opinion, the perfect explanation of eternity because Jesus is unbound by death, in the direct presence of God and unlimited by physical properties. But furthermore, he is holy and righteous and sat at the right hand of the Father. What a promise. Now, some of you may be thinking that in the key passage it says, yet none of them received what was promised to them. And that's fair enough. You know, it's, it's easy to read half a passage and feel disheartened. You know, I've been there for sure. But if that's you, then I implore you to read the next part. Since God had planned something better for us. So, does that mean that actually all these promises I've just listed aren't true? No. But it may mean that heaven is somehow even better than they make it seem. You know, Jubilee, the, the truth is we can never fully grasp the concept of eternity and what it will be like because we can never know until we're there. But for me, just the promises that have been made are enough to compel me to faith and the potential for it to be even better than the Bible makes it sound 
just absolutely blows my mind. But maybe you don't fully believe me yet. And that's fine. But as John Hosier said a few weeks ago, faith can begin with doubt. Just look at the stories of Sarah or Thomas. However, I would say that the most prominent example of faith beginning with doubt is in the life of the Apostle Paul. Formerly known as Saul, he was a devout Jew and hated Christianity, so much so that he ravaged churches and imprisoned male and female Christians, or ringleaders as they were known. However, on the road to Damascus, the Lord spoke to Saul and said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Following the incident, Saul was struck blind for three days until, through the disciple Ananias, the Lord healed Saul. He then went on to preach the gospel to thousands and plant churches all over the first century world. But do you know what it was that compelled Paul to the Christian faith? It was a personal encounter with Jesus. That's the key. Jesus has the power to change hearts and minds just by showing who he is. I mean, that's amazing. Furthermore, something that's less known about Paul is that following his encounter, he took two years out to grow in maturity and in his relationship with God so that he was better equipped to preach the gospel. I think this is something that we can skip over in the busyness of life nowadays, but it's really important to joy time in the presence of Jesus because, I mean, he clearly changes lives for the better. So, finally, what is long-range faith? What does it mean to have faith for eternity? Well, much like a long-distance relationship, it requires attention and talking to keep it alive. We have to talk to God. We have to pray and not be disheartened if the answer is no or not now. For as it says at the start of Hebrews 11, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. The fifth session of the Alpha Course is all about prayer, and it states that there are three responses to prayer. Yes, no, and wait. Um, if you haven't, I would really recommend trying the Alpha Course, because it's a great place to answer your questions, not just about faith and Christianity, but about life in general. But long range doesn't just mean in terms of distance, but time as well. And once again, prayer will help you maintain your faith. I mean, personally, I find it quite difficult to pray because my mind wanders, especially when I'm by myself. So I tend to use worship in the form of music, and often I just like to think about the love and, you know, peace of God. This is an important part of Christian life. You know, being in God's presence is vitally important. Remember, God is our Father. Sometimes it's crucial to just enjoy time with him without an agenda. You see, for me, faith is a crutch. It allows me to walk when I'm struggling and it supports me through the tough times, but it's equally as important when I'm feeling good because often my faith contributes to or cultivates that attitude. And that's why prayer is so important, to keep it going, to keep that good mood flowing. So, rejoice. For no matter our shortcomings and suffering, all who accept the free gift of God's love are guaranteed eternal love, peace and joy. This is the Christian message.
This is the gospel. This is amazing news. But when I say be joyous, I don't just mean happy. No, I mean completely and utterly enclosed in a bubble of joy which can't be popped by the world's problems. Let this joy seep into your prayer life. Don't just say sorry and feel guilty. Say sorry, but rejoice in his forgiveness. I'm just going to pray now. Father God, I thank you for your love and your peace and your joy. I thank you that we have eternity promised for us, that we can't grasp how amazing it's going to be. I thank you that you died on the cross for us to give us this promise of eternity. And I just pray, Lord, that no matter the problems of the world, no matter, you know, everything that's going on right now with, with COVID and, you know, the enduring battle with, with racism and, you know, human rights, I just pray, Lord, that through all that, we would know that you're there and that your joy would keep us afloat. Amen. Thanks for listening.